It's the Boris Dirk podcast. I don't know how many days left Dame has in Portland, and it's a real source of pain for me and my family. But Denver Nuggets are champions. Nikola Jokic is the best player on the planet. He doesn't really give a fuck, though. He's more into horses. And uh, Bradley Beal's on the Phoenix Suns. Max, speak to me. It's an interesting trade because it seems like Phoenix is doubling down on their strengths without any addressing any of their weaknesses. Um, the reason, I mean, like their their strong suit is Booker and Durant being able to hit hit really tough jumpers at a at a high rate, being able to you know hit pull up twos, spot up from three, but also neither of them are guys who put a ton of pressure on the rim. Or Durant, they're both solid defenders. They're definitely both better defenders than Beal is. Um, so I'll be curious to see what it looks like with Beal because I feel like there's definitely a lot of overlapping skill sets between the three of those guys. Yeah, they all are jump shooters. Uh, they all typically have had the ball in their hands. Although uh, Durant's very adaptable, and I'm sure Beal could adapt to being a good off-ball guy. You know, it is a tremendous amount of shooting. So shooting usually sort of smooths out a lot of wrinkles when it comes to fitting three guys like this together. But I was trying to think back of if we've had this sort of pairing of three perimeter guys who all kind of play a similar position. It's like if Wade LeBron and Bosch was Wade LeBron and, you know, Paul Pierce or something where there were three guys who sort of had that profile. And honestly, I, it, I can see why they did it but I'm not positive that it puts them over the top to being like a, a championship favorite, certainly, or, or even a real solid contender. Yeah. It looks like a son hooked his dad up with Bradley Beal. <laughs> I might've had the order of father and son wrong there, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, Devin Booker is sort of a better version of peak Bradley Beal at this stage. Mm-hmm. And it sounds so simplistic, but I also just look at the, basically the four guys that are on payroll in Phoenix now. And I wonder like, where the hell is the toughness? Where's the grit? Yes. Because, you know, KD can curse at Chuck on Twitter, but we just haven't seen KD in a bus driver role really enough um, ever in his career, actually. Uh, The the, the closest I ever came to thinking KD was the truest of true bus drivers was Nets Bucks and that, you know, foot on the line series. And been a couple of years since then and you need your Aaron Gordons your KCPs your Bruce Browns um even if your stars are dogs like you need you need the surrounding grit and so it's it's just going to be a massive project with only a few million dollars left to figure out what the rest of the team looks like and what they're doing with Aiton because you can talk all you want about your starting lineup or your closing five but first off, who knows if the Suns are even good enough to win it all with that big three. Mm-hmm. And then knowing how things work these days, like that'll be a big two come playoffs or so- someone will tweak something. You know, I'm not going to pick a name, but uh, Beal and KD have not been very healthy the last couple of years. And yeah, it's just it's not if I were a Phoenix fan, I'd be really scared about having all my eggs in this one basket. And the basketball gods don't like shortcuts. You know, I I actually I like it for Phoenix in the sense that I don't know what the hell Chris Paul is anymore. Um, I think this is more the ghost of Chris Paul. And 
So giving up him, Shamit, and second round picks, which I literally consider not to be nothing. I mean, second mm-hmm. round picks just are Jokic once every 75 years. And other than that, like <laughs> they traded ha- a shade of Chris Paul and Landry Shamit and got an all-star caliber score. I just wonder what the marginal gain is. They'll be in the mix for sure, but there's just no way today uh, I expect to at least bet on the Suns to have any chance against a healthy Denver team, for instance. Yeah, and I mean, I think the playoffs showed this year you don't need like insane depth, but you do need seven guys that you can trust. Like Denver had their starting five and then, you know, Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, Christian Brown, and they had enough there where, you know, Christian Brown didn't have it every night, but they had enough guys where Michael Malone could turn to guys that he could trust. Phoenix ran into the issue in the Denver series where they started with four guys they could trust with Paul, Booker, Durant, and Aiden. And then Paul got hurt. So then they were down to three guys they could trust. And then Aiden disappeared. And then they were down to two guys they could trust. Yeah. And with this, you know, they get Beal in there, who's another guy you can trust. So now you're back to four guys, except one of them just disappeared in the playoffs. So you're not even really sure if you can trust Aiden anymore. And then the other thing with Beal is, Maybe he's become underrated because he's sort of been languishing in Washington and playing non-meaningful basketball for the last three years. I also have to think, you know, some of that responsibility for not playing any meaningful basketball probably has to fall on him. But I went through the exercise of going through, you know, how many players in the NBA I'd take over him. And I got to like 35 no-brainers. And then there were probably another handful of guys who I would sort of lean toward them over Beal. But I think going into the season, Beal's probably around the 40th best player in the NBA. He's somewhere between 35 and 40, which, I mean, speaks to the insane amount of talent there is in the NBA. But also, you know, if there's a lot of people saying that, you know, Phoenix has the best top four in the league right now. But if you stack him up against Milwaukee, I don't know. Like, I'd rather have Giannis than Durant. Sure, I'd rather have Booker than whoever Milwaukee's second best player is. But I'd probably rather have Lopez than Ayton right now. And I'd probably rather have, you know, Drew or Middleton than Beal. Well, Middleton, I'm not sure he, he had a bad year, but yeah, um, it's, it's definitely close. And the Milwaukee has more depth, whereas Phoenix is, is relying on guys like Josh Akogi pretty quickly. And, and a lot of them aren't even under contract anymore. They have to sign guys to minimums basically. So yeah, basically I worry they, you know, if it's all going well, they have three guys who are kind of impossible to stop when they're hitting shots. But if they stop hitting shots, like they did in, this playoffs and like KD did against the Celtics mm-hmm. last year when he got swept in the first round, they don't really have enough collective playmaking, physicality, rim pressure, depth, or defense, honestly, to, you know, really make them one of my West favorites. And the West is all very bunched together, but there's a lot of really good players in the West that you have to go through if yeah. you want to make a deep run. And I'm not sure. We'll see how they furnish out the rest of the team, but it certainly doesn't leave them with a lot of resources to do that. I appreciate you bringing up the like hitting shots thing because another thing that feels really relevant to the playoff success we saw this year was like, it isn't necessarily the team that hits the most shots that has the best chance. Um, The Nuggets could have shot 40% against the heat. I mean, they probably weren't that far above 40% on the series uh, overall. I hope that that doesn't make me look stupid later, but but the Nuggets had a couple cold shooting nights and it didn't matter because they were so fu- fundamentally difficult to beat with their ball movement, 
their defense was strong enough. They had enough great defenders around Jokic's sort of average, maybe above average defense. Who cares about that debate anymore? Uh, he's obviously a good enough defender to win a title around him. But uh, yeah, in terms of the sheer trade in a vacuum, like I'd rather take a swing on Bradley Beal in 23-24 than uh, Chris Paul in 23-24. So, so I, I like it for Phoenix, but uh, it's just we've seen in the recent years, if you don't have a, a LeBron, um, you win titles and and you build teams that contend for multiple years by drafting Giannis, yes. by, draft, by drafting Jamal Murray and Jokic, by drafting Chris Middleton, um, by, you know, by, by drafting Steph, Clay, and Draymond, obviously. Even the Heat, it, Jimmy was their best player in the playoffs. Bam was probably their best player in the finals. Um, but they had so much um, long-established infrastructure that led to this recent improbable Miami run yeah uh, like whatever you want to say about heat culture it was years in the making um yeah and so um, based on the the Brooklyn Nets the last couple of years uh the Suns this year I'm just I'm scared to jump on one of these pop-up shop superstar teams I I just I don't see those teams um putting up the strongest fights when it comes to you know when it comes to May and June yeah, I was hearing, I think it, it might have been Nick, right? Because he's usually talking about LeBron. But I was hearing someone basically say to that point, these microwave champions basically haven't worked unless it's LeBron. Yeah. Um, and, you know, KD got the rings going to Golden State, but he, they won before him, they won after him. So that that's not necessarily the best example for like a microwave championship team because that's like, you know, putting cilantro on top of the roast that's already done. But uh, yeah, I I think this and each of the last few finals teams have been like, you know, long builds like Milwaukee was a long build where they were able to add Drew Holiday towards the end of it. But they drafted Giannis. They drafted Chris Middleton, um, some of their other depth pieces they drafted. Same with the Warriors with Steph Clay and Draymond and then obviously the Nuggets this year. So I think increasingly we're seeing that the guys that are changing teams are more those secondary kind of stars with the exception of Kevin Durant. But if you look at the top 10 guys in the league, most of those guys seem, you know, pretty comfortable where they are. And I wouldn't really anticipate them changing teams soon, which I think is good for the NBA. Um, although you never know, we'll see how the new CBA might throw a wrench into things. But uh, yeah, I, I, I would say we'll have to see how some of these other West teams reload. I don't know what the Lakers will do, you know, if they can sign Fred Van Vliet or something mm -hmm. that might put them into a real strong contention position. I think um, while maintaining Austin Reeves and some other depth pieces, who knows if Dallas can actually furnish their team out with some three and D options, they might have a, a really good looking team going into the season. But aside from that, I mean, we know Denver is going to be good. Memphis is probably going to have a bit of a weird season with the whole John Morant situation, but they've shown they can tread water at least without him. And then there's, you know, young up and coming teams like OKC, New Orleans, perhaps uh, Minnesota will probably be better this year than they were last year. Portland. <laughs> Portland. Yeah. Portland. And then I guess the Beal trade also raises the question of where Chris Paul will go because um, yeah. he's definitely not going to stay in Washington. Sounds like the Clippers is an option, which would be useful if their biggest issue wasn't stars getting hurt in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, I think he'd be perfect in Milwaukee because they need just someone to go in in the fourth quarter and run their crunch time offense for them. Uh, but he's not going to go to Milwaukee. So I don't know. He'll probably end up on one of the LA teams. If anyone's going to get the, the Wizards to resurface as like a feisty nine seed playing team, it's Chris Paul. But yeah, yeah. I agree there's just no way he's going to end up playing for them next year. Yeah. Uh, speaking of LeBron's teams and the Lakers, like in 2020, if even if KD and Booker are as good, which they were pretty cl- damn close this year, if they're as good as like LeBron and AD in, in 2020 in the bubble, uh, you still need your Kuzma, Caruso, Rondo, KCP. There's no title without those ancillary role, superstar role players. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say their best move may be to split eight and up into multiple sort of smaller around the mid level yeah. type of guys because having four of those kind of max level contracts just isn't really tenable with the way team building works now. Yeah. Frank Vogel can teach Anthony Simons to play defense. Exactly. Okay. Uh, finals. Um, yeah, the Denver Nuggets, the 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 landlocked city. They did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jokic away from this year's champion. I mean the the first thing has to be that Jokic is is you know staking his all time claim as an all time great player. Uh, I said I think on one of the last pods we did that since I started watching basketball in two thousand five, he's and you know I really remember it since about two thousand eight or two thousand seven. Uh, one of my first core memories was probably LeBron dropping those 25 straight points against the Pistons uh, in that playoff game. But he's one of the three best offensive players I've seen since I started watching basketball. It's him, it's LeBron, and it's Steph Curry. When you take into account the full totality of offense between generating your own shots and getting quality shots for teammates and making your teammates better. There have been guys like Kobe who can hit really tough shots. And he's one of my favorite players of all time. And KD, who's probably the most effortless score I've ever seen. But when you take into account, just can you build a highly efficient offense around this player? The top three choices from what I've seen are LeBron, Steph and Jokic. And there's no one from the big position who's even close to what Jokic has been able to do these last few years. Uh, And then he also showed that you can feel the competent playoff defense around him. And they really won that last game of the finals through their defense. He, he was in passing lanes, getting steals and blocks. He was really good around the rim. And yeah, overall their whole playoff run showed the importance of cohesiveness and patience and also just positional size, which is something I'm looking at a lot in the draft, which we'll talk about later is guys who are really big for their position. And especially when you combine that with intelligence I think that as the Nuggets have done, that leads to a real sort of ability to take advantage of your opponent and get them into sort of compromising situations. So yeah, it was a really impressive run to watch. I don't know if I necessarily buy the talk of them being a dynasty. I think we're in an era of pretty intense parody right now, but you know, time will tell with that. But Jokic is certainly an all-time great player, and it was great to see Jamal uh, make it all the way back to that pinnacle after all he's been through. Michael Malone says, don't call me Mike, but the way he's been behaving in the last few days, like, I feel like you deserve to be called Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just didn't see it coming for this guy, but I'm glad he's not leaving any meat on the bone. (laughs) Yeah, no, he had an all time parade performance. (laughs) Uh, And he's, he's really putting some, some weight on his GM shoulders, like telling the city that Bruce Brown's coming back. Bruce B. I hope you had a talk with the front office about that. Uh, but yeah, I think 
LeBron is the best player of my lifetime, but I don't think there's been anyone I've ever watched that I'd rather play with uh, than Nikola Jokic. Like, just play off of him the way yeah. he he can maximize so many different types of players' strengths. Um, the way the way that he encourages Jamal Murray to take the sort of heat check isolation pull up that might lead to a seven for seventeen but builds Jamal's confidence for the most important moments in the playoffs. And yeah, no one, no one works harder to get a better shot for their team right now in the world. And I, I said it to you as the, as game five was coming to an end, I said, this is, I think this is the second highest level I've ever seen a human being play basketball at. And, you know, I was, I was really young for Duncan. Like you said, Kobe's obviously in the mix I even even like 2019 Kawhi when he touched God for the Raptors. I think yeah. about that a lot because maybe you know for some a cheap title because of you know the entire Warriors core was injured. It felt like, uh, but but Kawhi was transcendent. So it, that that was a name that came to mind. But yeah, this is like this is like Heat, Cavs, LeBron shit. Um, yeah, he's reached a different stratosphere, and and yeah, it's just it's this crazy coronation that we did when Giannis got his title. It's like you when you already have the M- the two MVPs, and then you get a Finals plus Finals MVP. You're just like you go from he's an all time great to like oh he's you know he's he's now better than KD because he he got a championship the organic way and like all these crazy conversations and yeah. his legacy was on standby because of Jamal Murray's injury. Yeah. We had uh two straight playoffs of not really being able to uh, fairly fairly evaluate Jokic's greatness. And I mean the last the last few months was was his shot to set the record straight and he answered every question and it was really beautiful to watch. Uh Yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what else I have on the finals other than congratulations, Aaron Gordon. You found your perfect role. Yep. Yeah, and with Jokic for me, it's like it's the relentless commitment to getting a good shot every time down the court. Yeah. Where, especially as someone who watches a lot of uh, Julius Randle, um, who doesn't always take the best shot every time down the court. <laughs> Not to single Julius Randle out. There's plenty of NBA players who don't take the best shot every time down the court. And that's kind of, you know, that came out of the the MJ era where he was a tough shot maker into Kobe sort of doing his, his you yeah. know, the closest thing to an MJ impersonation we've seen. And a lot of guys growing up now who idolize Kobe. Uh, and, you know, even Steph too. There's just a lot of tough shot taking in general, which yeah. is very entertaining when it goes in. People love Kyrie Irving because he's an absolute artist with the tough shots. But the most effective thing in basketball is still taking easy, good shots. And Jokic generates them like no one I've really ever seen in terms of generating layups for himself, generating flip shots from about eight to 10 feet away, which it seems like he makes about 70% of the time. Um if he just gets a running start from the free throw line with one step, it's it's a pretty much an automatic bucket every time it feels like. And then around that, it's spacing, it's shooting. It was really nice to see Michael Porter have a sort of moment in game five, even though he didn't really shoot well the whole series, but with his rebounding and just sort of being competitive and gritty out there, which was not something that was on his scouting report coming into the league. But that was really nice to see. And yeah, it's just always, it's always rewarding to see a team that's sort of built patiently and through the draft. And we're seeing that more and more, as we said, and it sort of 
goes to show the importance of the draft. And we'll talk about the draft more later, but the draft is probably the most important event of the NBA season because there are going to be champions that are built on the, you know, draft picks that are made every year, basically. Um, and, you know, free agency and trades probably get a lot more attention than the draft does, but the draft, I would argue, is probably even more important to building a champion than those periods are. I, it's it's just a fact, you know, it's been proven uh, in the modern era that a good way to win is to have, like, a a godly one-on-one wing scorer, like, like the 29, 2019 Kawhi archetype. Mm-hmm. But it's also, it's just interesting that we've had two straight champions that have more spurs in their DNA. Uh, and Steph and Jokic, the last two finals MVPs, ex- like you said, uh, they are guys that can score on anyone. But first and foremost, they're guys that can get a great shot for their team against anyone. Yeah, And I think that it's just like, that's an exciting that's an exciting phase. It feels like we've we've re-entered for team basketball, and like you mentioned, Jokic's ability to to work and work and work for high percentage looks, and like before he completely took over the playoffs because he bulldozed the Wolves uh, round one, and he, we didn't really start talking about the Nuggets until a couple weeks into the playoffs. Devin Booker was the guy that I thought of as like the best shot getter for his team. Uh he, he was he was like the playoff MVP for for several games. And I think it's it's easy to glaze over that six game series, but uh yeah, KD KD and Booker is a very formidable duo. Yeah. And hey, if the Suns want to hang their hat on anything from this year, they were the only team to get more than one game off of Phoenix in the playoffs, so, you know, maybe adding Beal really will give them a little push over the top, but yeah, and I don't know. Do you, I mean, going into next year, I think Denver's probably the favorite, barring any sort of drastic offseason changes. I don't think there's some massive favorite. You know, I think it'll be a similar group of Milwaukee, Boston, Phoenix. You see what some of the other West contenders do. What do you really make of like Miami's season and their run here? Do you think it's just sort of an exemplification of Spo being a good coach or a great coach? all-time great coach and Jimmy sort of getting hot at the right time to carry them? Or do you think they kind of tapped into something which is more sustainable going forward? I think it was a perfect storm. Like all of the things are true. Jimmy is an elite player. Bam is better than his stats will ever indicate. uh, And should probably, we should just have Bam locked in for at least a year as like a top 20, top 16 guy in the league. I'll just throw out random numbers because I don't think I've had him quite that high in the last couple of years. Uh, And now now I just want to remind myself every day we get further from this playoffs, uh, how important Bam was to the fabric of this, of the heat culture. Um, And when Jimmy's legs were completely shot, they were still able to fall back on Bam's defensive um, leadership. So yeah, I I buy buy that. I mean, Spo is special. I think like if if Jokic has the belt right now for players, Spo has to have the belt for coaches. Get all the belts. Uh, we'll we'll see what Nick Nurse's next chapter looks like in Philly. I don't know how you could be a great coach in Philly, but I love Nick Nurse. Uh, mm. I 
don't think I'm not going to pick Miami to make it back next year. My yeah. inst- my instinct is uh, for the stars to align again for Miami, they would need to add a, a piece. Because um, you just, I just can't expect them to be a shitty offensive team all year, and then three point efficiency just goes through the roof in the first couple series of the playoffs again next year. Uh, if they are able to get Dame and break my heart and like trade Harrow and some other stuff that doesn't really make them worse and bring in Dame, who knows? Then they'll be they'll be primed for another crazy heat run because there'll be yeah. less stress on thirty three year old Jimmy and more scoring spice and. Like, you know, Dame is sort of Gabe, <laughs> the trillionaires, Gabe Vincent, and they'll just, <laughs> and, and then it'll make sense to me again. They'll have, they'll have a little more juice and maybe they can make some magic happen. Uh, but I do think uh, what they did this year was both indicative of the character of their most important personnel and also uh, unsustainable. And so, yeah. They won't they won't be one of my my top two or three picks in the East next year, but then the playoffs will come and they'll have some interesting looking matchup with a more talented team and we'll go from there. Yeah. And like the Nuggets, I think they're also uh, indicative of the importance of uh, maybe not so much size because they had a pretty small team, Um, but the intelligence factor and the competitiveness factor just they had that in spades up and down the lineup. Like when you watch them play against Milwaukee, they were just the smarter, better executing team up and down the line, just in terms of making Milwaukee do things they didn't want to do. And then being able to take advantage of their weaknesses on both ends against the Knicks. They just had the mental edge. They were mentally tougher, physically tougher, even if they were smaller and smarter also where they could force the Knicks into, into doing things that the Knicks didn't want to do, like having basically having games come down to RJ Josh Hart and Obi Toppin taking a bunch of threes, as opposed to letting them get into their, the normal flow of their offense and taking away their offensive rebounds. And then against the Celtics, they just, you know, kind of went into Boston the first two games and and mentally bullied them. And then it was more of a, a dogfight series from there on out. But once they got those first two games, and blew him out in game three also, you know, that was the series basically. And they just had to win one more game, which they, they were able to get in game seven, but yeah, likewise uh, there, you know, I'm not gonna be picking them to, to finish in the top three in the East next year. Might not even pick them to finish in the top four. I mean, it depends how some of the off season stuff shakes out in the East, but I think it was also a little indicative that, the the west is still what things run through in the nba i think um there's more superstars in the west the records were a bit depressed in the west this year i think in part because they beat up on each other a lot people were looking at those top three teams in the east and thinking that they were the three best teams in the league i hell i thought that milwaukee boston and philly might have been the three best teams in the league going into the playoffs but clearly that wasn't the case um so Yeah, and that's why, you know, looking at who teams want to add this year, looking at the draft, the things I'm looking at most of all because of what we saw from Denver and Miami and all through these playoffs are size, intelligence, and then sort of that physicality competitiveness factor along with sort of the requisite skill that you need to be an NBA player. But those are the things that really I think can can be inefficiencies for teams to to exploit going against other teams where you can really try to – mentally and physically wear them down over the course of the playoffs 
It also helps if you can find whatever like Mike sneakers Caleb Martin found at the beginning of these playoffs. Uh-huh. I was just looking through Bill Simmons' new trade value article, and Caleb Martin is on the toughest emissions list, but so is Bull Bull. So I don't know what the <laughs> fuck Simmons is smoking right now. Uh, yeah, uh, that's a, like I, I don't know who Caleb Martin is. I'm literally going into 23, 24 wondering like, who is Caleb Martin? And does the fact that he only makes $7 million make him one of the best contracts in NBA history? Or did he get hot and confident at the most important moment in his basketball career? So yeah. things weird, obviously, like there were a million crazy things about the Heat's run this year. Uh, and I, I, I just need to wait and see. Uh, and the funny thing is, I was about to say, I need to wait and see what they do in the regular season. But that just might not matter at all. So yeah. We might we might be like a full ten and a half months from finding out if the Miami Heat still got it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. The last thing I'll say about the kind of playoffs and and looking ahead to to next season, wrapping up this season, is we've got some you know all time great players in their prime playing right now, and I really want to see them play against each other in playoff series. Um, you know, in terms of superstar matchups this year, we got. The Warriors Lakers was a fun one. And then we got Jokic against KD, although that Phoenix Suns team was pretty compromised after Booker and KD. But I want to see Jokic play against Curry. I want to see Embiid play against Giannis. I'd like to see Embiid get through the second round of the playoffs without uh, having some sort of injury that he can fall back on. Um, And yeah, hopefully, you know, he can get, there's just, I want to see these sort of Titan matchups actually come to fruition at some point in these playoffs and you know it seems like Jokic, Giannis, Embiid will and maybe Luka coming up now will be battling it out for MVPs and and conference championships for the foreseeable future. I want Embiid to get to play without Harden. Appreciate you guys listening. Happy Father's Day to all the dads and we'll be back in 24 hours with some more draft stuff that I swear on LeBron, Raymond James, you will not hear anywhere else. Peace.